0: Section five of Dissertation on Oriental Gardening. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Yearsley. Section five. In their plantations, the Chinese artists do not, as is the practice of some European gardeners, plant indiscriminately everything that comes in their way, nor do they ignorantly imagine that the whole perfection of plantations consists in the variety of the trees and shrubs of which they are composed on the contrary their practice is guided by many rules founded on reason and long observations from which they seldom or ever deviate many trees shrubs and flowers saith Li song a chinese author of great antiquity thrive best in low moist situations many on hills and mountains Some require a rich soil, but others will grow on clay, in sand, or even upon rocks, and in the water. To some a sunny exposition is necessary, but for others the shade is preferable. There are plants which thrive best in exposed situations, but in general shelter is requisite. The skilful gardener, to whom study and experience have taught these qualities, carefully attends to them in his operations, knowing that thereon depend the health and growth of his plants, and consequently the beauty of his plantations. In China, as in Europe, the usual times of planting are the autumn and the spring, some things answering best when planted in the first, and some in the last of these seasons. Their gardeners avoid planting whenever the grounds are so moist as to endanger the rotting of the roots or when the frosts are so near as to pinch the plants before they have recovered the shock of transplantation or when the earth and air are too dry to afford nurture to them or when the weather is so tempestuous as to shake or overturn them whilst loose and unrooted in the ground they observe that the perfection of trees for ornamental gardening consists in their size in the beauty and variety of their forms, the colour and smoothness of their bark, the quantity, shape, and rich verdure of their foliage, with its early appearance in the spring and long duration in the autumn, likewise in the quickness of their growth, and their hardiness to endure the extremities of heat, cold, drought, or moisture, in their making no litter during the spring or summer, by the fall of the blossom, and in the strength of their branches to resist unhurt the violence of tempests they say that the perfection of shrubs consists not only in most of the above mentioned particulars but also in the beauty durability or long succession of their blossom and in their fair appearance before the bloom and after it is gone we are sensible say they THAT NO PLANT IS POSSESSED OF ALL GOOD QUALITIES, BUT CHOOSE SUCH AS HAVE THE FEWEST FAULTS, AND AVOID ALL THE EXOTICS THAT VEGETATE WITH DIFFICULTY IN OUR CLIMATE, FOR THOUGH THEY MAY BE RARE, THEY CANNOT BE BEAUTIFUL, BEING ALWAYS IN A SICKLY STATE. HAVE, IF YOU PLEASE, HOT HOUSES AND COOL HOUSES FOR PLANTS OF EVERY REGION, TO SATISFY THE CURIOSITY OF BOTANISTS, BUT THEY ARE MERE INFIRMARIES. The plants which they contain are valetudinarians, divested of beauty and vigour, which only exist by the power of medicine and by dint of good nursing. Amongst their favourite trees is the weeping willow, which they cultivate with great care, and plant near all their lakes, rivers, fountains, and wherever else it can be introduced with propriety. Dwarf kinds of it are raised in pots for the apartments and their poets have often celebrated its beauties in verse there is both a french and english translation extant of one of these poems which with the original is here inserted for the inspection of the curious footnote lon li huang ite ku shi Jiao ine siu sha iau taou hoa itiena Hehene, Iau, Yaina, hua Ki toane, Giau, Hoene, Pau, Saone, Ki, Neuni, Fe, Pe, Seon, Ine, Iau, Ki, Hua, Moe, Chuang, Hia, Ki, Von, ju ho Pu, Tai, Tehune, Xane, Seu Che, ie Chi, Chi, Seo, Thon, Shi à peine la saison du printemps est venue que le sol couvre d'une robe verte la couleur jaune de son bois sa beauté fait honte au péché qui de dépit arrache les fleurs qui le parlent et les repend sur la terre l'éclat des plus vives couleurs ne peut se comparer aux grâces simples et touchantes de cet arbre il prévient le printemps et sans avoir besoin du verre à soi Feuilles et ses branches d'une nuvée veloutée que cet insecte n'a point filée. Scarce dawns the genial year. Its yellow sprays the sprightly willow clothes in robes of green. Blushing with shame the gaudy peach is seen. She sheds her blossoms and with spleen decays. Soft harbinger of spring what glowing rays what colours with thy modest charms may vie no silkworm decks thy shade nor could supply the velvet down thy shining leaf displays the excessive variety of which some european gardeners are so fond in their plantations the chinese artists blame observing that a great diversity of colours foliage and direction of branches must create confusion and destroy all the masses upon which effect and grandeur depend they observe too that it is unnatural for as in nature most plants sow their own seeds whole forests are generally composed of the same sort of trees they admit however of a moderate variety but are by no means promiscuous in the choice of their plants attending with great care to the colour form and foliage of each and only mixing together such as harmonise and assemble agreeably they observe that some trees are only proper for thickets others only fit to be employed singly and others equally adapted to both these situations the mountain cedar the spruce and silver firs and all others whose branches have a horizontal direction they hold improper for thickets because they indent into each other and likewise cut disagreeably upon the plants which back them they never mix these horizontal branched trees with the cypress the oriental arbor vitae the bamboo or other upright ones nor with the laryx the weeping willow the birch the laburnum or any of a pendant nature observing that the intersection of their branches forms a very unpicturesque kind of network neither do they employ together the catalpha and the acacia the yew and the willow the plane and the sumac nor any of such heterogeneous sorts but on the contrary they assemble in their large woods the oak the elm the beech the tulip, the sycamore, maple and plane, the Indian chestnut, the tong shu, and the western walnut, the arbeel, the lime and all whose luxuriant foliages hide the direction of their branches and, growing in globular masses, assemble well together, forming by the harmonious combination of their tints one grand group of rich verdure. Footnote Tong shu, a kind of walnut peculiar to china from which a fine oil is extracted End footnote. in their smaller plantations they employ trees of a smaller growth but of the same concordant sorts bordering them with persian lilacs gilda roses syringas coronillas or sennas of various sorts flowering raspberries yellow jessamine hypericum or st john's wort the spirea frutex Altheas roses and other flowering shrubs peculiar to china such as the molihua the kweihua the lanhua and the wen kwang shu intermixed with flowers and with the tallow tree and padus of various species the tse tang or rose tree elder mountain ash acacia double blossomed thorn and many other sorts of flowering trees and wherever the ground is bare they cover it with white blue purple and variegated periwinkle the convolvulus minor dwarf stocks violets primroses and different kinds of creeping flowers and with strawberries tutson and ivy which climbs up and covers the stems of the trees in their shrubberies they follow as much as possible the same rules observing farther to plant in some of them all such shrubs as flourish at one time and in some such as succeed each other, of which different methods the first is much the most brilliant, but its duration is short, and the appearance of the shrubbery is generally shabby as soon as the bloom is off. They therefore seldom use it, but for scenes that are to be enjoyed at certain periods, preferring the last on other occasions, as being of long duration, and less unpleasing after the flowers are gone the chinese gardeners do not scatter their flowers indiscriminately about their borders as is usual in some parts of europe but dispose them with great circumspection and if i may be allowed the expression paint their way very artfully along the skirts of the plantations or other places where flowers are to be introduced they reject all that are of a straggling growth of harsh colours and poor foliage choosing only such as are of some duration grow either large or in clusters are of beautiful forms well leaved and of tints that harmonize with the greens that surround them they avoid all sudden transitions both with regard to dimension and color rising gradually from the smallest flowers to holly oaks peonies sunflowers carnation poppies and others of the boldest growth and varying their tints by easy gradations from white straw colour purple and incarnate to the deepest blues and most brilliant crimsons and scarlets they frequently blend several roots together whole leaves and flowers unite and compose one rich harmonious mass such as the white and purple candy tuff larkspurs and mallows of various colours double poppies lupins, primroses pinks and carnations with many more of which the forms and colours accord with each other and the same method they use with flowering shrubs blending white red and variegated roses together purple and white lilacs yellow and white jessamine altheas of various sorts and as many others as they can with any propriety unite by these mixtures they increase considerably the variety and beauty of their compositions in their large plantations the flowers generally grow in the natural ground but in flower gardens and all other parts that are highly kept they are in pots buried in the ground which as fast as the bloom goes off are removed and others are brought to supply their places so that there is a constant succession FOR ALMOST EVERY MONTH IN THE YEAR, AND THE FLOWERS ARE NEVER SEEN BUT IN THE HEIGHT OF THEIR BEAUTY. AMONG THE MOST INTERESTING PARTS OF THE CHINESE PLANTATIONS ARE THEIR OPEN groves, FOR AS THE WOMEN SPEND MUCH OF THEIR TIME THERE, CARE IS TAKEN TO SITUATE THEM AS PLEASANTLY AS POSSIBLE, AND TO ADORN THEM WITH ALL KINDS OF NATURAL BEAUTIES. THE GROUND ON WHICH THEY ARE PLANTED IS COMMONLY UNEVEN, YET NOT RUGGED either on a plain raised into many gentle swellings on the easy declivity of a mountain commanding rich prospects or in vales surrounded with woods and watered with springs and rivulets those which are in an open exposure are generally bordered with flowery meadows extensive cornfields or large lakes the chinese artists observing that the brilliancy and gaiety of these objects form a pleasing contrast with the gloom of the grove and when they are confined in thickets or close woods the plantations are so contrived that from every approach some part of the grove is hid which opening gradually to the eye of the passenger satisfies his curiosity by degrees Some of these groves are composed of evergreens, chiefly of pyramidal forms, thinly planted over the surface, with flowering shrubs scattered amongst them. Others consist of lofty spreading trees whose foliage affords a shady retreat during the heat of the day. The plants are never crowded together, sufficient room being left between them, for sitting or walking upon the grass which by reason of its shady situation retains a constant verdure and in the spring is adorned with a great variety of early flowers such as violets crocuses polyantheses and primroses hyacinths cowslips snowdrops daffodils and daisies some trees of the grove are suffered to branch out from the very bottom of the stem upwards Others, for the sake of variety, have their stems bare, but far the greater number are surrounded with rose-trees, sweet-briar, honeysuckles, scarlet beans, nasturtiums, everlasting and sweet-scented peas, double-blossomed briar, and other odoriferous shrubs, which beautify the barren parts of the plant and perfume the air. Sometimes, too, their open groves are composed of lemon orange citron pomplemose and myrtle trees which as the climate varies either grow in the earth or in buried tubs and pots that are removed to greenhouses during the winter they also have groves of all sorts of fine formed fruit trees which when they blossom or when their fruit is ripe are exceedingly beautiful and to add to the luxuriance of these scenes the chinese artists plant vines of different colored grapes near many of the trees which climb up their stems and afterwards hang in festoons from one tree to another in all their open groves are kept young broods of pheasants partridges pea-fowls, turkeys, and all kinds of handsome domestic birds, who flock thither at certain times of the day, to be fed. They also retain in them, by the same method, squirrels, pecheli cats, small monkeys, cockatoos, parrots, hog-deer, spotted capritos, lambs, guinea-pigs, and many other little beautiful birds and animals the trees which the chinese gardeners use in their open groves and also for detached trees or groups of two three or four together are the mountain cedar the spruce silver and balm of gilead firs the larynx, the smooth stemmed pine the arbor vitae and cypress the weeping willow the u q mu the birch the ash the maple the western walnut arbial tulip acacia oak elm and all others that grow in picturesque forms footnote oo mu is the tallow tree which somewhat resembles the birch and whenever they lose their natural shape either by too quick vegetation or other accidents they endeavour to reduce them to an agreeable form by lopping off their exuberances or by forcing them into other directions. The Indian, or horse-chestnut, the lime, and some others of a stiff, formal growth, they never use detached, but find them, on account of their rich verdure, their blossom, and abundant foliage, very fit for thickets, woods, and avenues. They have particular plants for the dressed, gay parts of the garden, others in their wilds and scenes of horror and others appropriated to monuments and ruins, or to accompany buildings of various sorts, according as their properties fit them for these different purposes. In planting they are nicely attentive to the natural size of their plants, placing such as are of humble growth in the front, and those that are higher gradually inwards, that all may be exposed to view at the same time they appropriate certain plants to low moist situations and others to those that are dry and lofty strictly attending therein to nature for though a willow say they may grow upon a mountain or an oak in a bog yet are not these by any means natural situations for either when the patron is rich they consider nothing but perfection in their plantations but when he is poor, they have also an eye to economy, introducing such plants, trees, and buildings into their design as are not only beautiful but useful. Instead of lawns, they have meadows and fields covered with sheep and other cattle, or lands planted with rice and cotton, or sowed with corn, turnips, beans, peas, hemp, and other things that produce flowers or variegated pieces of coloring. The groves are composed of all useful kinds of fruit trees, such as apple, pear, cherry, mulberry, plum, apricot, pomegranate, fig, olive, and filbert, with the tsetse, lychee, longyu, lan, and many others peculiar to China. The woods are full of the tong shu, the species of the walnut tree, the Watsiao, the pepper tree, the tsi shu, the varnish tree, and pelashu. The wax tree with the tie limu ironwood, the nang mu, the chinese cedar said never to decay, the tse tsang, the rose tree, and other common timber trees useful for fuel or building, which also produce chestnuts, walnuts, acorns, and many profitable fruits or seeds. Both the woods and groves abound with game of all sorts. The shrubberies consist of song lo. and mao cha different species of the tea shrub dwarf mulberry cotton rose raspberry bramble currant lavender vine and gooseberry bushes with barberry elder peach nectarine and almond trees all the walks are narrow and carried under the drip of the trees or skirts of the plantation that they may occupy no useful ground and of the buildings, part are barns for grain or hay, part stables for horses and oxen, some are dairies with their cow-houses and calf-pens, some, cottages for the husbandmen, with sheds for implements of husbandry. Others, again, are dove-houses, menageries for breeding poultry, or stoves and greenhouses for raising early rare fruits, vegetables, and flowers, all judiciously placed and designed with taste though in a rustic style the lakes and rivers are well stored with fish and waterfowl. all the vessels are contrived for fishing hunting and other sports that are profitable as well as entertaining and in their borders they plant instead of flowers sweet herbs celery carrots potatoes strawberries scarlet beans nasturtiums endive cucumbers melons pineapples or other handsome fruits and vegetables while all the less sightly productions for the kitchen are carefully hid behind espaliers of fruit trees and thus they say every farmer may have a garden without expense and that if all landholders were men of taste the world might be formed into one continued garden without difficulty such is the substance of what i have hitherto collected relative to the gardens of the chinese my endeavour in the present publication has been to give the general outline of their style of gardening without entering into trifling particulars and without enumerating many little rules of which their artists occasionally avail themselves being persuaded that to men of genius such minute discriminations are always unnecessary and often prejudicial as they burden the memory and clog the imagination with superfluous restrictions the dispositions and different artifices mentioned in the preceding pages are those which are chiefly practised in china and such as best characterise their style of gardening but the artists of that country are so inventive And so various in their combinations that no two of their compositions are ever alike they never copy nor imitate each other they do not even repeat their own productions saying that what has once been seen operates feebly at a second inspection and that whatever bears even a distant resemblance to a known object seldom excites a new idea The reader is therefore not to imagine that what has been related is all that exists. On the contrary, a considerable number of other examples might have been produced, but those that have been offered will probably be sufficient. More especially, as most of them are like certain compositions in music, which, though simple in themselves, suggest to a fertile imagination an endless succession of complicated variations. To the generality of Europeans, many of the foregoing descriptions may seem improbable and the execution of what has been described in some measure impracticable, but those who are better acquainted with the East know that nothing is too great for Eastern magnificence to attempt, and there can be few impossibilities where treasures are inexhaustible, where power is unlimited, and where munificence has no bounds." European artists must not always hope to rival oriental grandeur. They will seldom find islands for ostriches, or forests for elephants, where property is much divided, where power is confined, and wealth rare. Men of genius may often conceive more than it is practicable to execute. Yet let them always boldly look up to the sun, and copy as much of its luster as they can, Circumstances will frequently obstruct them in their course, and they may be prevented from soaring high. But their attention should constantly be fixed on great objects, and their productions always demonstrate that they knew the road to perfection had they been able to proceed on the journey. Where twining serpentine walks, digging holes and crooked ditches for earth to raise molehills, scattering shrubs and ringing never-ceasing changes on lawns groves and thickets is called gardening artists will have few opportunities of displaying their talents it matters little there who are the gardeners a cabbage planter may rival a clode and a clown outwine a poussin the meanest may do the little there is to be done and the best could reach no farther But wherever a better style is adopted, and gardens are to be natural, without resemblance to vulgar nature, new without affectation, and extraordinary without extravagance, where the spectator is to be amused, where his attention is constantly to be kept up, his curiosity excited, and his mind agitated by a great variety of opposite passions, there parts will be necessary." And gardeners must be men of genius, of experience and judgment, quick in perception, rich in expedients, fertile in imagination, and thoroughly versed in all the affections of the human mind. Finis, end of section five.